0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist, and I'm joined today by Dee, Alexis, and Isaac. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, I'm Dee, I'm the Managing Editor at Anifem. I also run the anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter at Jose Next Door.
2: Hi, I'm Alexis, I'm an independent writer, and you can find me on Twitter at AlexiWooloo.
3: And I'm Isaac. I'm an associate features editor for Crunchyroll. I run the anime blog Mage in a Barrel, and you can find me on Twitter at iblessall.
0: This is our last day of the Oran High School Host Club watch along. No. It's kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been such a good one. I've really enjoyed it. Um, So a watch-along, for those unaware, you probably want to skip back a few episodes and get this one from the beginning. We get a group of people, at least one has seen the series in question and loves it and knows it well. And the other people don't know much about it necessarily, haven't seen it all the way through or at all. And we watch six or seven episodes at a time and then talk about what we've seen from a feminist perspective, and then move on to the next six or seven episodes. And we're now on the final six episodes, episodes 21 to 26. And it's been such a great experience, this one. I've enjoyed it so much. I really... I knew I would, but it's been so pleasant. And I'm a little bit sad that we have to say goodbye to it. And I got to the end and I immediately started Googling the manga. So hopefully I can (laughs) have words (laughs) with my library this week and just get hold of that. So how how has it been for for you guys how's it been for you alexis i
2: this this last six episodes this last six how was it finishing it up two episodes i really didn't like and everything else was really good so
0: that's been quite a standard experience (laughs) with oran hasn't it it
2: really has it's it's weird like i love so much of this show and then it will just like slam
3: me in the face with an episode that drives me nuts
0: how about you isaac
3: yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it seems like, a, at least for me, it was pretty much a standard experience to everything else, sort of like Alexis. Like, uh, my overall response to these batch of six episodes was similar to the response that I've had to the other ones, I feel, the other batches overall, I feel.
0: Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. This one, I I mean, I, I love it when they kind of weave everything together. So the last few episodes for me were just immensely satisfying but we will get to that. So we've got a few things to cover but I imagine today we'll talk a lot about the series as a whole. So before we get to that let's just look at the last six episodes and to start with we had something I wasn't expecting which was a new character and that was Kasanoda
3: who uh. got
0: called variously Casanova and Bossanova, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. I loved it.
2: Bossanova. <laughs> was a pretty good dude.
0: <laughs> it was great. Um, I really enjoyed his character, actually. Um, and what I thought was interesting about him is he actually shows that he has a crush on Haruhi while Haruhi is disguised. Oh, not disguised. That's not the right way. He was presenting as a boy and to all intents and purposes is living as a boy at school and he's from this really masculine background he's in the yakuza he's, he's from a yakuza family he's been trained to be like super masculine and he knows that the price of kind of expressing his love for, for Harahi he is kind of keeping her identity a secret and that was that was something i wasn't really expecting in these last few episodes so i mean how did you guys find it alexis how was it for you
2: i don't know how many of y'all have played persona 5 or persona 4 sorry
0: Nope. Mm -mm. Okay,
2: so in Persona 4, there's a rough-and-tumble bad boy who has a heart of gold, and there's a mysterious detective boy who is disguised as a boy because they're actually a girl, and police are too gendered for them to just be a a woman openly. And that was just, like, 80% of how I felt about this episode, which is them being like, oh, I like this guy, but but they're a guy. What do I do? It's... It's a weird thing to see again, like because this came before Persona Four, and that it was so similar kind of jarred me. Is because I'd always considered it kind of a sort of one-off thing, but it's not. So it's
1: a it's a somewhat common uh, trope, especially in uh, you see it in uh, there's a I mean there's there's kind of a subgenre of uh, shojo um, in particular that is the the girl presents as a boy, like goes into the, you know, like, like is in a boy's school. Yeah. Hanakimi is another kind of classic example of that. Um, And there's usually an arc where one of the boys like freaks out about the fact that he has a crush on uh, this, this character who he believes is a boy. And then like, so there's all this like, Oh, I guess I'm in love with a boy, but it's not, it's kind of cheap because it feels like it's, it's, it's almost like it's pretending to be representation, but it's totally not, because the, the end result is usually like, oh, phew, they were actually a girl, so I'm fine. And it's very frustrating. Um, I think yeah. Oran handles it a bit better than I've seen in other stories. Yeah,
2: um, the ending there was nice, I felt, where he's just like, okay, I guess I can't do anything about this. And also, I got extremely told that we were just friends, so we'll just stick with it. <laughs>
0: I was so glad they didn't use the word friend zone. Like, I, I don't know how widely used it
1: was when the subtitles were made, but I was so grateful.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I liked his, his reaction to it is really nice because he's like, you're right. We'll just be friends. And I was like, OK, that's nice of you. You respected her decision. You let it go. Um, yeah. Kassadin is a sweet character. And then
3: everyone wants to be his friend because they feel exactly. so bad for him.
1: How <laughs> he becomes his lovely item,
0: which is a really, <laughs> a really sweet way to end his, his arc. Yeah. Um, I think I like this one a bit more because there wasn't, like, for a start, he blushes at everyone. It's really cute. Like, yeah. He's just, so
3: cute. Yeah. They make
0: a point that he's just, like, really easily embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And so when we see him kind of responding to Haruhi earlier, you can't see him doing kind of air quotes for responding to, and we get the the impression that he sort of senses that she's got this feminine energy mm-hmm. or whatever. Um but he he kind of also does that when he's talking to the guy who works for him, and he also mm-hmm. does that when he's talking to mori and like he seems to be just really easily easily flustered um so it didn't feel like he was they they fell into that um pitfall where yeah, he's attracted to her when she's presenting as a boy, and then when he finds out that she's biologically a girl, he's then then it's allowed to be a crush. It's more like he's he responds to multiple people. And she's just the one he kind of falls for, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. And I did like the scene with his, like, his, I don't know how to describe him because he's, like, almost a servant in most of the scenes he's in. But the blonde kid, I don't remember if they said his name even.
1: Can't
0: remember his name. I think they,
1: did. <laughs> they did, but I'm, I'm blanking on it too. So oh dear.
0: yeah Important character. His second in command. Ex- yeah.
2: Yeah, extremely
3: and important. And as
0: soon as he as soon as he showed up on screen and he's got this really pretty face and long hair and I was like you're going to recur. Oh, yeah. I did.
3: I did type viciously into my notes when he showed. Who is this cute boy? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he is it like a dramatically of cute. He's
0: <laughs> in this backdrop of like grizzled Yakuza men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he just shows up with his broom. Yeah. I
1: think Casanova is another nice touch on that kind of um we talked about this. I think the last time we really talked about this was with Nekozawa is that idea of like Tearing back those sort of expected archetypes and appearances, and and getting a chance to actually know somebody, and so the fact that Kasanoda is one of the most moe characters in the series, despite you know being raised <laughs> to be like a rough and tough, traditionally masculine, aggressive yakuza dude, is is a again, it's a really nice. Reversal. Um, I am a little bit uncomfortable by the fetish by the fetish uh, fetis- Oh my god! Somebody else say this word for Fetishization. me. Fetishization. Thank you.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could not get that out. I'm on it. I got your back.
1: Uh, the way the way the girls in the club start to like, yes. squee yeah. over Casanoda and Haruhi uh, is a bit discomforting. Ah, uh, part of me is like, well, you know, this was 2007, and at least they're not grossed out. At least they're like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I'm Like that's maybe that's progress. But watching it now, mm. it it has that that kind of sense of like fetishizing BL, yeah. and it's uh, it's yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, I think mean, mean, this was a time when yaoi paddles were still on sale at
0: conventions, right? This was yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. This sure was a time. Uh, it was definitely it was... a
2: time, and it kind of goes back to um, the last episode. We were on, I talked about how there's, like, four types of women on this show, and it goes straight into that, and it's like, man, it's rough to see again. I kind of hope they dropped it, but.
3: The, the one thing about his kind of, especially episode 22, which is where the episode where the host club are trying to, like, help him. hmm be able to make more friends as they do the same thing that they've done with other characters in the past like they did with Nekozawa, which is kind of where I thought you were going deep, but where they try to reform him again via archetypes and mm-hmm. they like use these like here's the like sort of like box that you have to, that's okay so you don't fit into this like gangster character box that you're in um so let's put you in a different one and none of those works and then we get the little side story at the end where the cute broom boy shows up and is like yeah you i was like out on the street and you like took me in which is like such a cute like a nice way to represent to like illuminate what his character actually is and who he actually yeah. is in a person. And that becomes like I feel like that actually transitions really nicely into, okay, now he's got a crush on Harvey he, and he knows everything about her. Um and then like come is now coming into the host club despite how embarrassing it is for him um to like spend time with her. I feel like there's a really sort of a nice flow between like He doesn't, he's not comfortable with who he is. We tried to like make him these other things. And it turns out that he's just fine being the person that he actually is. Um, And eventually people come to like be friends with him and play kick the can with him for the person that he is rather than, you know, any of these other things.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And despite the the uncomfortable kind of fetishizing elements in that scene, the girls mm-hmm. end up being friends with him because they're so touched by his sincerity. You know, it is that, that openness and being willing to be like vulnerable and sincere with other people that, that kind of get them to, to become friends with him by the end of the episode, so...
3: And I guess the other thing that's sort of slightly different from that moment is that it's not like an acted thing, like it is with like the twins when they're playing up their relationship in the host club. Like it's him, like being very genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like, to me at least, that made this scene because at least from one side, it's genuine, even if the girls are off watching this like constructed fantasy um, that they've got.
0: Yeah, I always find um, cuddly yakuza a little bit weird and jarring but i also also really like it whenever it shows up some of my favorite series are kind of based around that concept um but the way that he he kind of shows up home in that first awful outfit that they put him in and <laughs> holding a teddy bear and he's so like true. mortified and they just completely accept it and i i love that <laughs> i couldn't get enough of that
2: it was pretty good
0: it, it was a terrible first out like they, I was cringing watching him. So I really felt his embarrassment. It was a great choice. See, I thought he
2: was rocking it. Like, he was looking so fierce. <laughs> he was making it work. The teddy bear, you know, you can take it or leave it, but hey. <laughs>
0: While we're talking about friendship, we had a really important episode where we got to see the backstory between Kyoya and Tamaki, which I loved. It was was so so good. good. It was so satisfying to see it as well. Like, even at this late stage, sometimes it can feel a bit like an afterthought, and it wasn't like that at all. It felt
3: really important. That was probably my favorite episode of the series.
1: That's my favorite episode of the series. It's one of my favorite anime episodes, period. Like, probably yeah. top ten material. Um, I, I adore that episode. The It's such a good blend of... It does a really good job of... Like, it's it's Kyoya's story, but it also tells you a lot about Tamaki. Um, it does so much in 25 minutes with a lot of really good imagery to kind of um, hit home on a lot of the ideas. Um I, obviously the, the, the painting in the in the restrictive frame is a beautiful beautiful image that has stuck with me since the first oh, time I watched word. this series. Yes um, but this time through I also really enjoyed the uh, the clothes that are like packed so tight in the drawers that once you yeah. take one out they're just everywhere and his room gets progressively messier as he's kind of like opens he sort of starts to open up and then like the floodgates just just explode with Tamaki um, and I really enjoyed <laughs> that as well. Um, yeah, no sorry, you guys talk about it. I love that episode.
3: <laughs> no the clothes was awesome
1: it was it was visually really strong
0: but it was also the the way that tamaki's character was handled I think they've done so well at presenting him and being really naive in some ways and really insightful in other ways like it didn't feel jarring or out of character for him to call Kyoya out mm-hmm. on him running away from things and just kind of accepting his his fate as the third son who can't possibly be allowed to show off his true potential that I think they it, it didn't come out of nowhere when he said that because he's been kind of challenging and provoking Kyoya all the way along without meaning to and this was just kind of an extension of that it was such a beautiful moment.
3: Yeah and all those uh, moments that we've seen of Tamaki like having kind of these moments of of insight into sort of what people really want or need that we've seen like with the map with the doctor really early on in the series and other moments since then I think this fits it slots really naturally in because of um, the way that they've, they've kind of constructed that as part of his character previously.
1: Yeah. Tamaki's. I mean, he's so hard on sleeve sincere that I think that he's, he has a little bit of being able to kind of see the, the honesty and genuineness in other people. And he also is so focused on uh, what can I do to make somebody else happy? So he's very keyed into like, like, again, he can be really oblivious to a lot of things and especially his own feelings, but uh, he, with other people, he gets a really good sense of whether or not they're, they're, you know, happy with where they are right now. And with Kyoya, he definitely senses that he's not and kind of um, in his own sort of easygoing, optimistic way kind of pushes him to um, do something that will make him that, you know, you know, take action to, find a way to be happy with his situation and to you know push back against those those walls and i really like that that whole arc um with kyoya i think the the idea of obviously kyoya's situation is very different from most of ours because i think most of us probably will not be uh taking over the multi-million dollar family business possibly in the future but um i think that sense of like you know the pressure to like be really good but not you know like Get perfect grades, but don't be bossy, but, you know, be be assertive, but don't be a bitch. And I think that, that, uh, that push and pull there is, for me anyway, was very resonant while watching the episode in that sense of, like, you know, of, like, needing to be perfect in every possible way, I guess. And then being able to kind of bust out of those restrictions and, you know, try to be yourself and not just... Um, follow what is expected of you by the older generation and kind of these traditional hierarchical structures that are very baked into, um, the, the wealthy families that we see in, in Oran. Um, so I like that that episode is, is starts to push against that a lot.
3: And yeah.
0: I like that they introduce that in those final stages, like in the last few episodes, you really get a sense for the kind of responsibilities that they have ahead of them. And I've been a bit, I've, I've not been as won over by the kind of fantasy world that the host club allows for these students where you walk in and they're all in costumes and it's like, okay, here we go. It's, it's always felt a little bit gimmicky to me, a little bit hollow. But these last few episodes where you see that, that, well, they make it really, really clear. Like you won't get to choose your path in life. You won't get to choose your romantic partner necessarily. You won't get to choose how far you can go in your chosen career. You won't get to choose that career. Um, and so giving them this freedom at this time is like really important and it, it did kind of balance that out for me and it, it gave the host club some kind of real world grounding in a way. And I mean that's completely resonant with Japanese society where you have, you have this kind of pressure cooker in high school where people are really working towards getting into university. And then when people get to university, it's kind of commonly accepted, okay, this is your chance to really be free, be independent, do what you want, enjoy that freedom, because once you get into the working world, that's done. So it's kind of a a smaller version of that, where they have this society where they can be really free. And the understanding is that once they turn 18, that's it, they're going to be kind of following the family path. Mm -hmm. And that's even earlier than the, the kind of usual japanese person would face it where at least they've got a few years of university or college first
1: yeah and um, amelia Um, you might know more about this than i do um the the way oron certainly presents it is that these these kind of traditional hierarchical familial structures are more prevalent in um these sort of like founded families that have this long history of um almost like you know dating back to like nobility um Whereas, you know, you have Haruhi's family, which is a lot, which is not a, tra- uh, is a, sort of a non-traditional family structure. She has a lot more freedom to kind of, you know, choose the path. And she ends, she is following her mom, but it's a decision she intentionally made um, because she, you know, genuinely admires her. Um, and so I think this the anime in particular, the manga is a little bit um, nicer about the, the traditional families, but I think the anime in particular is really kind of, it feels to me like it's sort of aggressively pushing back against those, those traditional like boundaries and, and that sense of that lack of freedom and is sort of trying to give its characters um, more of a kind of uh, modern egalitarian future. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, and I think the the way, like, especially with, for example, Kyoya's kind of like final master stroke in the final episode where we find out that he's bought his father's company basically for the purposes of keeping Tamaki um in the host club, and then gives it back to him again. And his father says something like, you know, he showed me that he could have it if he wanted to, and then told me he didn't want it. Um, I think, yeah, it it slots in really nicely and really strongly into exactly what you're talking about. Actually,
0: what was key for me for that was... um at the very end when they're the the fathers are kind of fighting over who, who which of their sons gets to marry Harry <laughs> and like that the fact that she would be a desirable partner for one of their sons when we've seen both of them presented as very strictly following kind of the family line like that felt really meaningful even though obviously it should be Harry's choice really and she's like I'm very excited to see where that goes when I eventually get to read the manga um can we can we talk a little bit about Tamaki and Haruhi? Yeah. I was, like super excited too. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was so like I got to the end and I think it went it worked really well. I think as an ending, you feel like there is a future for Tamaki and Haruhi. But it didn't feel like they had to shut down the other connections that she's made with people like Hikaru, um, who also very obviously has a crush on her, and that felt a little bit unresolved, but at the same time it was kind of Considering where they stepped away from the story, it felt like the right time. It didn't feel like a loose end, as it were. It was just, yeah, this is the point in Haruhi's life where she has people interested in her and she's not necessarily returning that. Um, And it, it felt like a really good way to to end end a love triangle in the anime. And it just made me want to read the manga. I just got to the end and was like, where is the manga? Need to read more. So how, how was it for... The, you guys, was everyone kind of supporting Tamaki and Haruhi along the way? Or was <laughs> who you? Uh,
3: yes, with with
2: small reservations, namely just his weird daddy thing. I was fine with it. <laughs> like, I get the the daddy construction as his found family thing, but like, also, it's 2018. <laughs> hearing someone say daddy
3: so many times <laughs> is not great.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs>
3: Oh, what did you guys think about that scene i think it's episode 23 where um where he's like watching um bossa nova casanota-kun um <laughs> like th- like sit on the couch with haruhi and he like has that like he locks over as a robot he like totally f- fails and then he like goes on kind of that longer discussion about like saying like oh, well, what are these feelings if they're not like the feelings of that a parent has for a daughter, Um, which I thought I was like, oh, they like are putting something actually in the text, which I know we had theorized something similar to that um, in previous episodes of this podcast about like, well, you know, it's sort of we get the sense, you know, it's not like some sort of like play acting thing, but he's just like, actually, like, that's, the framework that he has available to him to slot in his feelings. um, And that to see the show actually like lay that out. I was, well, I was not expecting that. What did you guys make of that? I liked
2: that because um, back in the Halloween episode, which we haven't really talked about, um, they kind of got into the idea of this constructed magic spell that he's cast over the host club to make them all kind of go along with his mommy and daddy and kids thing and i really appreciated them kind of returning to that hey what is this actually and what's going to happen when this breaks down and i felt like it was cool to see it break
1: i was so glad they did that there's definitely a sense in these in these last episodes that you know we've built we've they they've constructed this family but um Kaoru in particular is is very um kind of aware of of the other characters feelings and so he He can get this. He gets the sense that Hikaru has a crush on Haruhi, and I think he sort of realizes that Tamaki has a crush on Haruhi, and so he has this fear of well, what happens when we inevitably have to move on to the next step? Like we can't stay in this this Cinderella like ball uh, fantasy state forever. Um, You know, until the day it becomes a pumpkin is the name of the episode, which is very good. And yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of that that sense of that kind of anxiety and uncertainty in these in these last few episodes of like that sense of when you've built relationships that you really care about but you know people do change and your feelings for people will kind of shift and adjust as you go forward and you know how do you how do you adjust with those um so that you know nobody gets sort of left behind or unhappy about it um and I don't think the series is able to fully resolve that but I think there are some nice pins kind of put in the end with Tamaki sort of having kind of some moments of being like maybe I've been inconsiderate to people and then howtter um, he you know vocalizing finally that feeling that we we got at the halfway point which is that she genuinely enjoys being in the host club and but for her to like actually say that to him and ask him to come back um, to their family uh, is I think a really nice way of sort of showing that you know the relationships probably will shift and change going forward um, but that they've developed this really kind of firm close-knit uh, family like they have they, they do have their own bonds even if it's not like a blood relative bond. And that you know they're going to be okay going forward. I think the last episode does a nice job of kind of showcasing that.
0: The only issue I had with the episode, like, I love the fact that Casanova calls, um, he calls Tamaki out, and he's like, "Well, how are you, her father? Like, what <laughs> are you blood related? Are you are you dating her mother? Like, what's yeah. going on?" <laughs> um, I thought that was great, and I. Enjoyed the fact that Tamaki was like really confused by it. But at the same time, it felt like a bit much to kind of expect that this guy who lived in France until he was 14 was not actually kind of in the sheltered environment that some of the others were, perhaps. Just had no conception of what he might be feeling. Like it feels believable for Hikaru because his his experience of kind of human relationships in general has been so distorted by his relationship with Kaoru being as intense as it is but for Tamaki i don't know it felt like it felt like a little bit much um i mean tamaki's such a heightened character that i kind of waved it away in the moment but obviously we're looking at it a bit more analytically now and i was like i'm not so sure about that but again maybe if i read the manga it feels a bit better in a more kind of i don't
1: think the anime was able to dig into this too much but they do talk a little bit about like when they're playing kick the can and he kind of confides in Hatori he like yeah i never really did this with uh kids my age growing up um he was, like, super sheltered as a kid. I think he was homeschooled. I think they had, like, private tutors and stuff. Um, his mom's okay. health wasn't good. They talk about that in these episodes. And so he spent a lot of time, like, kind of with her. So coming to Oran and high school was really his first chance to kind of be a kid with other kids.
0: Okay. I mean, I may just have not picked up on enough to make it feel kind of grounded. I don't know. It just felt like a bit much in the in the moment. Um, I'm always a little bit suspicious anyway, when people try to kind of, this happens in manga and anime a lot, but the kind of the idea that people had the struggle to identify romantic feelings when pop culture is saturated with it. Oh, yeah. So maybe we needed a little bit of extra context to show that Tamaki perhaps hasn't been exposed to mm-hmm. the kind of pop culture that you would expect to be in France for the 14 years of his life that he lived for there. For sure.
1: Yeah, no, Um, I I agree with you. I think part of it for me is just, like, shoujo is somewhat notorious for having, like, extremely oblivious (laughs) main characters, so... I kind it's of just got one of my issues with it, to be honest. Yeah, well, that, I mean, like... obviously, it depends on the series, but I think I think Oron plays with that a little bit and kind of kind of mocks it, like you know, when Kauru's like, "Well, no, Tamaki, you, the family thing was like a structure that you intentionally built so we, you yes. know, would be happy together, right?" And Tamaki's like, "What are you talking about?"
0: Um, Kauru's amazing. Yeah. he just completely lampshaded it. It was great.
1: Yeah, <laughs> poor 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 Kauru thought there was thought Tamaki was a lot deeper than he was uh, in that moment. Um, <laughs>
0: We also had a nice moment with Honey and Mori where they they have such a clear read of the situation Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're just looking down, saying, Okay, so Karu, Karu, not Karu, Hikaru's getting some ideas and he's starting to be less oblivious to his own feelings. Tamaki just has no clue. And they're just sitting on this tree watching them and giving us narrative. Mm -hmm. I quite enjoyed that. It makes it, they're slightly older. They're the senpais. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they felt like it in that moment, which is nice. Mm Although my favourite moment for them in these episodes was probably when they're in they're in their fancy dress and kind of beating away Kyoya's family soldiers. Yes, <laughs> the secret police, and it's just like, yeah, these two are enough; they can handle it. <laughs> so that chase scene—let's talk about that. Where we've got a, not a car chase exactly; it was kind of a carriage chase, um, and it ends up with Haraki just like single-handedly chasing after Tamaki in a horse and carriage on a road after leaping from a cliff.
1: (laughs) It's ridiculous, but I love it. (laughs) It
0: was amazing. There was a moment where I was like, she's not going to jump. She can't jump. This is ridiculous. And Then she lands. I'm like, well, no, actually, of course, that makes sense.
2: I'm sure everyone here is, like, has some feelings on this, but any time a series drops the opening in at the very end is always kind of fun. (laughs) So... I I had a moment where
0: I looked at the timestamp just to make sure it wasn't about to end and leave me on a series cliffhanger. I was like, this cannot be allowed. I'm so grateful to see five minutes left. God, the
1: cue on it is so good, though, because it's it's right as Haruhi's kind of... Because she's been sort of just spending that whole episode, like, just kind of following them around, like, halfway catatonic, like, not quite sure how she feels about what's going on. And then when she's sitting in the cart watching Hikaru and Kaoru kind of realize we're not going to make it... And the music cue drops just as she snaps those reins and it's so perfect. It's really yeah. well done. I like I kinda had forgotten that and I sort of fist pumped when it happened. I was like, Go Ronka <laughs> Ronka's very good at the end too. I feel like I should mention that real quick there, that Ronka gets that little moment with How do he
2: sort of providing yes. some advice,
1: which is such a nice um, I think it's a nice counterpoint to uh, like Tamaki and Kyoya's parents who are kind of who are depicted in the anime as kind of awful. Um, the manga is not as yes. harsh to them, but they're sort of terrible here at the end. And so having uh, Haruhi, you know, being uh, having her have, again, that non-traditional family structure that's a lot more loving and supportive and, you know, uh, encourages her and sort of gives her that advice at the end to help her um, make a decision and fight for um, this person and this, this group that she loves is really nice.
2: Definitely. And
1: it's tiny note, but um, the, the
0: shirt that... Um, Lanka Ryoji is wearing at that point it has the kanji for father on mm-hmm. it so after all of that discussion about Tamaki feeling like like uh, her dad it was sort of nice that they left this stamp on it at the end like this is what a father does supports and I kind of I thought it was meaningful that he noticed like her not eating breakfast mm-hmm. even though she's smiling and she's saying I'm fine I just don't want to eat today and he's like no there's something wrong here and I want to let you know that I'm here for you. That was so beautiful mm-hmm. after we see that as you said, Kyoya and Tamaki's dads are not good at all. Kyoya's dad hitting him, A, at all, B, in front of everyone at yeah. his school, considering how they've been built up to be so focused on reputation, that felt really off, actually. It felt like something that might happen in private rather than in public, but. Uh yeah, it was just a way to show how awful he is, I guess. And Tamaki's grandmother being awful and like none of them are really trying to connect with their children mm-hmm. yeah. at all in the way that Haruhi's last parent is doing.
3: Yeah, the moment with Kyoya's dad is especially odd considering how later on he's like, "Oh yeah, I've been planning on giving the company to him anyways because he has done" You know, more than I expected. And it. I felt like, I guess a little bit like the show tried to have it, have it both ways, where he's like a terrible, a terrible father, but also secretly like. calling for him. Actually really, really loves Kyoya and is supporting him. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you, um, Amelia, in that that all didn't quite work for me.
0: Yeah, it was, it was just strange that they do it in public when, I mean, for example, we've got this whole scene where Kyoya's dad kind of says to him, make friends with the suo heir and like be his friend because i want to impress his or i want to like his father's important basically and i need to be in good standing with his father so you making friends with his son is useful and then in front of tamaki's dad he hits his son like that doesn't seem right that doesn't seem right at all
2: yeah it's weird
0: it was suitably dramatic though especially since i think the moment before that we've got or was it something quite soft happening before that that you think is going to last for longer something relating to tamaki i can't remember exactly and then just instantly the whole tone shifts and the focus to Kyo. and Kyo-a is just like yeah i expected it and just brushes it off
1: I think the to a lot of the stuff you guys are talking about is anime original. These last couple episodes, uh, they oh really yeah. Well, they they wanted to give it like a good finale, so they pulled a couple of like things from the Auron Fair and this and this one character who shows up at one point. But these these final two episodes are are almost entirely original, and they rewrite the parents somewhat significantly. Like Tamaki's dad is is not a perfect human being, but he's like dotes on his son and is actually kind of adorable. Um... <laughs> and, and Kyoya's dad is like kind of cold, but he's not he's usually pretty fair throughout. Um, the sense I got was the anime really wanted to um, kind of kind of hammer home this idea of the host club as sort of a haven for these kids and this sort of found family where they're able to get this love and acceptance that they don't necessarily get at home. Um, and I, so I think the anime sort of played up the parents uh, of the host club themselves being uh, kind of terrible to, to, yeah, to to highlight um, how important the host club is to them. So I think that's why it was done, but it, if you do go on to read the manga, and I encourage you to because I do like the manga, there's certain things about it that I have some slight issues with, but for the most part it's enjoyable. You'll you'll get more of the parents in there. They're not nearly as um, harshly written as they are here.
3: Oh yeah, that reminds me actually we haven't talked about um, the girl who is named after a pastry oh, at all. Man. Who is <laughs> sort of like the mechanism e. Claire. for... Oh, yeah, for all of this. Um,
0: she felt so flimsy. She's not so much a character
1: as she is a plot point.
0: Yeah, please insert bitchy woman here. Like, it was just so... She wasn't a proper character, which was unfortunate. I like her upper glasses, though. It's a nice visual the
2: upper touch. The opera glasses <laughs> metaphor was nice.
0: That, yeah. That. <laughs> it took me a while to not be annoyed with them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah she was she was kind of awful she just kind of slotted into this role it's like okay you're here to be awful to Tamaki and to force him to choose and to force Harahi into this position where she has to acknowledge that she cares about Tamaki okay she's just a device it was an unfortunate way to end up in I I wonder if they even needed that like if they if they could have got to the same kind of outcome where Tamaki realizes he's He's put people out. He's inconvenienced people, and is given the opportunity to go find his mother. Like, could they have ended up at that same outcome without this awful woman showing up to whisk him away and be the bad guy? I don't. I don't know that she was Probably. necessary. Is she in the manga, Dean? Do
1: I don't think so. Um, I don't. If there's there's a character who she's sort of. They take some elements of her, but I don't think her. I don't think she's a Claire. And the um, God, this it's it's hard to talk about without spoiling stuff in the manga, and I don't really want to do that. Um, Please. Yeah. The end of the manga, whether by accident or because Hatori just really liked what the anime did here, there are some similarities, but Eclair herself is not is not a character. the The manga, I think, again, it was like a two parter thing, and where they just kind of had to very quickly throw in kind of an obstacle figure. Um, and so I don't think they did as good a job with her as the, again, the manga does a really nice job of kind of humanizing everybody, even some of the kind of terrible characters. And I think this, this final arc in the anime is a lot more focused on the host club banding together to save their leader kind of thing. And because of that, um, they don't, they don't focus as much on humanizing the, the sort of antagonist figures that show up in these final couple episodes here. No, that makes sense. And that, that's exactly how it fits. I do I <laughs> so I just, I just love he showing up to save Tamaki so much at the end there that I'm kinda like, Eh, she's not a great character, but this is fun. <laughs> go, how do he go. So that moment. It
3: is nice to see that. Because I've seen like a scene like that many times before, but it's almost always like the girl who is being is the one who has to tragically leave and the boy races after her. So it's nice to see that reversed for once, especially with the dramatic carriage and all of that.
1: I was gonna say, and especially with someone like Haruhi, who's kind of been sort of reticent about, you know, really like taking an active role. Uh, in the host club, even even though we've known for a while that she's that she's en- enjoys herself there, um, so for her to have that moment where again, on her dad's advice of like you know you can't you can't change everything, but the things that you do have control over, like be willing to fight for them, and it's such a nice a, another nice visual touch that she rips off that wig and the fancy overcoat and you know meets him very kind of honestly as herself. And is able to to reach to reach him that way, and I think that's ah, it's just good. It's just good stuff. Again, it's ridiculous, but that I'm into so it so much. Yeah. When,
0: when the fact that I agree with you, the fact that she took off the wig and she took off the kind of outer layer of her dress, the one with all the frills on, and so you have how are he looking exactly she normally does, but just happening to be in a dress. And then the fact that she was allowed to stay that way for the final scene with all of the host club guests around. So that her secret is kind of out, I think. Like that felt really right to me yeah. to end it in that place where she's she is there as Haruhi. She's not there as like Haruhi the host,
1: but she's also not there as Haruhi dressed up as a girl. Yeah, or Haruhi. I yeah, yeah Haruhi it. the the girl that that uh the some of the host club Being boys like Tomoki would kind of envision in the past. Um. Yes, but and but we've seen her in dresses. Like it's not like she's not like she's not opposed to wearing dresses. Um. Sometimes. No. No. So. No. But being at school and in a dress, yeah. and in the host
0: club environment and in a dress, but not dressing up, yeah, like a like, like a kind that. of
1: casual looking, fairly simple dress—the kind of thing that we've seen Hattie yeah. wear in the past,
0: yeah. Right. It felt so good to end the series in that space because I talked in a previous episode about how I I kind of wanted it not I wanted her to feel more grounded in her identity at school,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that felt like a great way to do it. Like I was kind of hoping for there to be a bit of a reveal where they talk about the fact that. Haruhikun isn't a boy and they'd maybe have a bit of re- reaction to it um, but it's okay that's just me loving to suck the drama out of every situation <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but it felt like a really good satisfying ending it reminded me a little bit actually of um, boys over flowers and that's that's something I felt a few moments throughout the series um, I hope with I hope time.
1: with fewer predatory boys, from my understanding of, of fewer boys over predatory flowers. boys.
0: Have you not read it? No, or seen everything
1: it? I've I've the bits and pieces I've caught about it, and some of the scenes I have seen, have made me realize it's not probably a show for me. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But sorry, <laughs> but go ahead with the comparison for sure. No, no, no. It's
0: it's um something that has just come up a few times for me while I've been watching the entire thing. And at the very end there, we do have a scene in the... I mean, my my biggest point of reference is actually the drama because it was out when I lived in Japan, mm-hmm. um, which dates me a little bit there. Um, but we have this scene where she, the main character, runs to the airport to see the guy that she is now in love with. And he is terrible and she deserves so much better <laughs> and she's also really ambitious and I just... I had this moment when I was watching these last few episodes of, does Tamaki even deserve Harry? <laughs> like, Aww. couldn't she do better once she's a high-flying lawyer? I, I don't know. That's the kind of training <laughs> that Boys Over Flowers has got me to to think that way because um, Domyoji is just the worst, like the main guy and love interest of that mm-hmm. is just the worst. He is awful. And he gets a bit better when he's with the... the Protagonist, but it's it's not great. Yeah, <laughs> even then, and Tamaki is fantastic, but at the same time, we know how amazing he is, and at the end, her amazingness is being acknowledged by everyone. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I do wonder if she could have a
1: better future. But I think there's I think the last stretch episodes, especially the the kind of flashback ones we see with the twins and with Kiyoya, um give us a better sense of. Uh, to- of who Tamaki is too and that you know sort of his his good qualities and again I, we talked about this a little bit last week I think you do see him moving a little bit in this final stretch towards being more self aware and conscientious like um, when Kasanota shows up and the twins are like Tamaki aren't you going to like immediately jump into this and try to help this guy and he's like no 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 this is Mori's situation let Mori deal with it <laughs> and then Mori <laughs> looks at him like help <laughs> <laughs> and Tamaki jumps in, but he waits. That was so But great. he does, like, he tries to kind of hold himself back and, like, not get involved until somebody asks him for his help. Um, so I think that you, and you'll, I mean, again, I don't want to spoil anything because I do want you to read it. Um, the manga <laughs> spends more time um, kind of, Yeah. again, the the you, know, you get, like, another school year, so the kids grow up, they mature a bit, that the sort of progression you are seeing in this stretch of 26, you continue to see. I think they're cute together. Uh <laughs> I should ship <laughs> You're it. trying so hard
0: not to I was, spoil like, us the yeah. girls in the background. Um, no, that's that's good to know. And actually I think that part of um part of what makes a good adaptation is in giving you full enjoyment of two versions of a story. Mm-hmm. Like to to my mind, that's what a good adapt like the best adaptations do. And so for this to be enjoyable in its own right, but to get to the end and for you also to be saying, Yeah, the manga is also a good experience in a different way. It has different strengths. Like that's that's a good sign Mm -hmm. i think of a story well told so i think we should probably talk about the about orlan as a whole and how we've responded to it compared to what we expected so we, we talked at the beginning about our impressions of of the series and now we've made it to the end what what do you think about it now compared to then isaac how about you
3: um So I guess the kind of the overall thing that really stands out to me about Oron, and this was something that I mentioned in the first episode that my first exposure was to to it was that I watched four episodes and then stopped for a while before we came back for this watch along. And the thing that really struck me in the first four episodes, the first time I watched it was just sort of how, um, I don't know, I really liked and appreciated the way it, portrayed the boys of the host club and sort of the way it allowed them to be these sort of fun and goofy and silly um, and entertaining people, both kind of within the context of the host club and then sort of like within the context of like, this is a show for your entertainment. And to me, like that was almost like sort of a wish fulfillment fantasy to me, the way that the show lets them be, boys but lets them be boys who can be emotionally vulnerable and who can be really kind and caring um, and who can be silly and they don't have to be these sort of like really like tough like masculine archetypes who are really strong and fighting things but they can just be goofy and the show doesn't um, judge them for that Um, in a way they actually sort of remind me of how like very early on um, I guess I should preface this by saying like I was a big fan of One Direction when they were like popular and a lot of the way they were presented really early on in like their early music videos was that they were kind of just like boys who are having fun and they didn't have to be like these cool dudes and they didn't have to be like tough or anything like that. They were just sort of out like having fun and I got a lot of that sen- same sense from Oron and I don't know, to me, I really appreciate that sort of... Um, portrayal of masculinity um in this and just that like you know these boys can be kind they can be caring they can like appreciate and look out for Haruhi as a friend um and so yeah so that that impression that I had in those first four episodes stuck with me throughout the whole um the whole run of the show and I think that'll be something that I really take with me going on um like looking back on this show and remembering it
0: That's a really great point. Mm -hmm. I really like that. How about you, Alexis?
2: Overall, I had a great time, except for specific episodes, which we've obviously at this point gone over and over and over. So, Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I I do really enjoy the goofy antics. I did enjoy, like, I ended up enjoying each character on their own merits. Even, like, Honey and Mori didn't really get as much, and I know that they're going to get more in the manga. I'm kind of curious to go into that now. And... Anyway, um, (laughs) I liked everyone. I enjoyed my time with it. Um, Obviously, it's a very old show. I wish they had done a little bit better on certain things, both the translation and just the show in general. But like, it was fine. Like, it was great. I never once had a thought where I was like, oh, I have to go watch Oron." I was always excited (laughs) to go into it. And then I would end up watching like five episodes in a row. So, you know, it was good. I enjoyed it.
0: Great. I'm so pleased that you've all had fun with this one. I did too. Um, And actually, I've enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But also, it's hit more low points than I thought it would. I think both of those things is true. Um, I wasn't expecting it to kind of engage with gender and sexuality as much as it did. Um, But if I had realised in advance, I probably would have expected it to get certain things wrong. though perhaps not as wrong as it did. Um, the Labelia girls are just going to be a consistent low point for me. <laughs> I Absolutely. think that's probably my most hated set of episodes will be anything with the Lobelia girls. Thankfully only two, but that's two too many out of 26. Um, but the stuff I loved, I really loved. And I think that the, as you, you mentioned, Dee, the episode with Kyoya and Tamaki, um, their backstory, like that ending where you have the the flower coming out of the frame, like, I actually started crying at that, I'll be honest. Yeah. Like, it really moved me. Mm-hmm. It, it it really got to me. And I was not expecting to have that strong an emotional response to, to something like Oran High School Host Club, which, you know, if you watch the first couple of episodes, you might not expect to have that kind of response to it. But by the end of it, they've built it up so well. Um, I do wish it had been a little bit less episodic at certain points and it kind of dug more into the characters that we knew rather than bringing in kind of outside characters to look at them sometimes but it was not as like zany as I was expecting I think going into it so I've I've really enjoyed this one and I would happily re-watch it which I don't always think at the end of a watch along. I think I would happily go through all of these episodes again. I would happily talk about them again. And, like, D, I'll try and read the manga before I see you next. (laughs) So that we can just, like, open some beer and talk about Oran High School Host Club, which I imagine is a pretty perfect night, actually. Sounds delightful. So, Dee, how has it been for you, like, listening to us talk about this series that you love so much?
1: It's been really nice. I I told you after the first one, when we first started it, I had not seen it all the way through for a while. And so there was a part Mm. of me that was like, oh, God, what if it's aged much more poorly than I thought? (laughs) Because I knew really the three episodes that in my head, I was like, oh, these are the bad ones. They're still the bad ones. Like, and it's pretty much those three. Um, But... So I was, I mean, I've had a great time. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I, again, I was my, my biggest worry going into watch-alongs of stuff that I love is that the people who are on, like, I'll watch it again and realize it's, like, maybe not as good as I remembered it being, or I'll be watching it with people <laughs> who aren't into it, and it's like, no, I, I wanted you to have a good time. So I'm, yeah, no, I had a great time. I loved rewatching it again. Um, I've never really watched it with a critical eye, so going through it and kind of being able to tease out some of the ideas it's doing in terms of, uh, you know, the found family structures, pushing back against like traditional social hierarchies and things like that. Um, I really kind of like Isaac said, I really like the way it um, explores like different modes of femininity or masculinity and is very kind of accepting towards a lot of that. I think it I think it stumbles with um like actual canonical queerness and gender identity a bit, but I think it does gender presentation um, very, I think that holds up pretty well, um, even even 10, 10 odd years later. Um, and so being able to look at it through kind of a more analytical lens was fun. It was, again, it was a different way to, to watch a show that I have always just sort of watched because I get a lot of enjoyment out of it and it makes me happy. Um, and it still does that. And now now there's a little bit more that I can pull from it too, which has been really fun.
3: Yeah, I have to say, I really admire you, uh, D, for putting up like a longtime favorite l- like this <laughs> for a watch along where you knew we were like really going to kind of get into the like details and-, and things like that. To me, that's always like a very uh, scary prospect. So <laughs> I I applaud you for your willingness to go there with something that you that you've loved. Yeah.
0: This is the danger of a watch along. We kind of set people up in a way <laughs> because when you take part, we're going to be tearing your your one of your favourite shows to pieces. Um, but at the same time, we do always try and look for the stuff that we've enjoyed. And with Oran, that was like, relatively speaking, no effort at all. I think there's enough in it that we've all enjoyed. Um, and I mean, would, would you guys recommend it to other people, to feminist fans?
2: I would, that would be a very qualified recommendation, I think. But I would be willing to, like, put that out there as, hey, this is a fun show that does some things that I don't agree with, so, but it does other things that I really enjoyed and things that are important to portray, so, yeah.
0: What things would you recommend it for?
2: I absolutely adore Harvey and having someone who just takes no shit and is just like, all these boys, (laughs) just like, whatever, you're... You are weird and I'm just going to keep going and do things, whatever. So I'm not expressing it well, but I really love Haruhi and just her entire personality. And I think that's an important character to have, especially because like, I know that she's like, oh, I'll identify as whatever. But having that kind of character who exists for like, you, pretty much anybody can take something from Haruhi and enjoy her, I feel like, especially gender nonconforming.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Is she your favorite?
2: She's my favorite. I also love Ronka for obvious reasons.
1: it's <laughs>
2: good. Yeah, like, the two of them I would recommend, and then it's like, okay, this is a qualified recommendation because <laughs> there there are going to be things about this show that are not going to be great. Like, because, remind me again, we talked about the dub um, last time or the time before. Mm-hmm. What were they using for um, Ronka for... The slur they used in the uh, the subs.
1: They use the slur a couple of times. They don't use it as consistently. A lot of the time, they just say transvestite. Um, they okay. say the full word, um, but right. they do okay. use it sometimes. Yeah, it's that's to me the biggest caveat is the translation. Um, Something we didn't get into this time, they translated the word, I just blanked on the actual Japanese word, but it means just coward, and they translated it as panty waist, which has a lot of very shitty gendered connotations to it.
2: Oh, Um, yeah.
1: And those connotations are, to my knowledge, and again, maybe someone who's more fluent in Japanese could correct me on this, but to my knowledge, those connotations are not on the Japanese word. Um, And so a lot of my biggest caveats with the series rewatching it was how... Angry, I am at the translation. I'm like, could we get a new translation? Maybe. I think that would I think that would clear up a lot of the issues. Because other than that, I think there's three episodes that are just kind of like skippable. Like just they're not good. Skip them. And then I yeah. think everything else is fairly enjoyable if you if you fix that that uh, that god awful uh, translation decision.
2: Yeah, that's like that's the other thing is like okay, the translation's bad, and then there are just episodes that are not good, super Club. Yeah. So. Yeah, it would be a qualified recommendation. But I would absolutely like put that out there
3: to someone I feel like would enjoy or would get something out of it.
0: How about you, Isaac?
3: Yeah, I think yeah, definitely a qualified recommendation. I would recommend it for all of the lead characters. And then I guess the other thing that I think that the show does that is sort of important for being this kind of show, being a show and as a in the genre of being like a reverse harem is I know we've talked about the host club and I know some of you guys aren't super keen on it. I actually really like the host club and I like all of the in host club, like when they're actually doing host club activities. I like those antics and I like the, in general, I like the, excuse me the girls in the background who are always like "Ooh, sticky (laughs) and like really just like like have a little heart spinning um because i think what it does is it allows like all these girl characters who aren't really defined but they're just sort of like a background mass that's always there um it, it allows them to kind of be indulgent in their fantasies and to be entertained um by these boys and i don't think the show ever really judges them for that and for a show in this genre where sort of you know uh, in terms of like what you would expect they were making this show for um the audience they were making this show for i feel like the show validates like less particularly female viewers for and says to them you know like it's okay for you to like have your own fantasies, and to be entertained by kind of this silly genre, Um, and we're not going to judge you for that. And obviously, as we've talked about, there are things that the background girls in the show go for um, or fetishize that aren't great. Um, So obviously, you know, there's a qualification there, but I think overall, the way that the show validates um, specifically a female audience and says, like, it's okay for you to have your own, like, fantasies and to enjoy this genre too I think um, you know the host club is like a really kind of mutually agreed upon consensual Mm -hmm. experience and it validates all the people involved and I think that I think that's important Um, and I really I really appreciate that about the show
0: yeah I think that's an important point because actually they we see that the um, girls in the school have the same they face the same situation as these boys who are heirs to the company and that they don't get to choose their own path And unfortunately, the character through which that's expressed is um, Eclair. So they had a real opportunity to kind of humanize that, to humanize Eclair and kind of show there's a moment where Tamaki says, like, how do you feel? You know, you've just been told to get married to a guy you've just met. Are you really okay with that? And... That's the only kind of glimpse we get of the fact that that's actually not an ideal situation. So the host club is really a space where these young women who may not get to choose their own partners can indulge in their fantasies, as you say, without judgment. And I, I appreciated that more in the last episodes because they put it in context, because they made these, these people's lives outside of the school. They gave a bit more context there. They gave a bit more grounding. And so from that point, I was much more kind of comfortable with it, I guess, much more understanding of it. It's not like I was uncomfortable before, but it always felt gimmicky, like I said, and it didn't really feel that way in the last few
1: episodes. It felt much more like a refuge. It felt much more uh, important and meaningful to these people. Yeah, I, we, we talked about that a little bit in the first watch along, too, I think, and we never quite went back to it. So I'm glad I'm glad you guys kind of circled us back to that as well. Yeah. Um... I think, yeah, I think the that sense of the sort of or of the host club as being kind of a playground. um like you said, where both both sides are sort of are sort of mutually agreeing to um to kind of partake in this game um without any without judgment on either side, and you know, it's okay to kind of indulge in that fantasy. but at the same time, the series over the course of these twenty six episodes, we see that they're that there is a real, uh, you know, a quote unquote reality to these characters as well. Um, and so it's, it's that sense of like, you know, you can enjoy the, you can enjoy the fantasy, the fiction, as long as like both parties are kind of in on it, but then also being aware that there is, that there is a real world where these, where those elements are not going to be that simplistic or, you know, people are more complex than that. And so I think that, I think that th- that rewards a rewatch in some ways is you'll, you, if you go back and you watch some of the early episodes and, and knowing the, the history of the characters and kind of how they're, how they're using the host club to kind of work through their own um you know adolescent anxieties or um hang-ups or what have you um and yeah so I I think you're right I think a lot of that is built into the story as well
0: what a great show okay I I, unless anybody has anything to add I think we can wrap it up there
2: no I think that's it
1: I still love Oron I'm so glad I still love Oron (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm so glad you saw <laughs> love on. if we'd ruined your favorite series for you like that would
1: be <laughs> oh no, you would not have i it was again, it was more the if I had rewatched it and and gone, oh, there's a lot more problems here than i than I had remembered there being, and it would yeah, it wouldn't have been it would not have been your fault um so it was <laughs> it was nice to watch it again after a few years and and see that again, I think it's anytime you watch a show that's kind of grounded in that's you know more than like three years old or something, especially with issues of like gender and uh queer identities and things like that, where things are moving so quickly. Um, so shows start to date themselves very fast. Um, so I think that anytime you watch, I mean, we talked about this with the Shigi Yugi watch long that I did with uh, Caitlin and Vry last year. Um, I think I think there's a certain point where you do kind of need to ground, when you recommend it to people, you do kind of need to ground them in, well, this is when it was written, this is kind of what the you know the cultural situation was at the time. It's doing some things that are progressive for the time, but maybe don't hold up because we have moved forward very quickly. Um, which is good. Like, that's a good thing. It's, you know, in a way it's good that Oran, um, is dating itself a little bit, even, even though it's only been, you know, maybe 10 years. Um, it's dating itself because it engaged at all, right? Yes, yeah. And that's, that's also part of it too, is I would much rather a show try and, and mess up here and there, um, than not try at all. Um, especially when I think, I think Oron does get, does get quite a few things right when it comes to, again, um, pushing back against like traditional ideas about masculinity and femininity and kind of letting the characters, um, sort of, um, exist on a kind of a spectrum of presentation, um, a lot better than, um, a lot of shows at the time we're doing. And even a lot of shows nowadays do. So <laughs> yeah, I think as long as you, I think it's, again, like you guys said, with some caveats and then as, um, one of those series that you do kind of want to ground it in the time that it was, um, made. But if you, if you go into it with that knowledge, I think that you can, you can still have a really good time with it.
0: Yeah, That makes perfect sense. I'm glad you I'm glad you still like yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you guys liked it. This was
1: fun. Thanks for yeah, thanks for joining me. Um as I walked walked down this as I opened those doors again. How's that? To music room three.
0: Thank you. Thank you to all of you. I mean it's it is a commitment. Watch alongs are a big commitment. Like they're at least four sessions. Um and it, it does take up a chunk of time to watch the show and then to discuss it and it is very much appreciated because I think the perspectives that we get out of Watch Alongs are really valuable. I think to revisit something from for Dee to revisit while we're going to it for the first time with a fresh perspective like i think that's such a great dynamic i absolutely love yeah. it so i really love hosting these yeah ones. and i loved
1: your all of your perspective and takes on it were, were really different and you guys brought up some points that i hadn't necessarily thought of so that was that was great thank you all three of you for joining for 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 opening those doors with me um <laughs> <laughs> to music room three uh...
0: and we will continue doing more watch along so just to do a bit of housekeeping then to wrap up if you'd like to see more of our work you can find that on uh, animefeminist.com if you'd like to find us on twitter we're there at animefeminist we're on facebook facebook facebook.com animefem and we have a tumblr .tumblr animefeminist.tumblr.com we also have a patreon patreon patreon.com animefeminist which is how we pay all of our writers contributors editors administrators everyone gets paid through our patreon and we're always looking for more funding so that we can do more projects, create more content, pay more creators. Lots of ambitious plans, so please go to patreon.com slash animefeminist, send us a dollar a month, that's all it takes, it all adds up. Um, Or if you send us $5 a month to continue our work, you also get access to our exclusive Anime Feminist Discord server, which is kind of like a chat room where you can talk about anime, manga, Japan, anything unrelated. But from a feminist perspective, without having to go through Feminism 101. So thank you so much to Alexis, Isaac, and Dee. This has been such a great experience. And
1: listeners, please let us know which watch-along you'd like us to do in the future. Go forth, find your lovely items, and we'll catch you next time. (laughs) How was that? Yes. Was that good? Nice.
0: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I just had my hands over my mouth to stop laughing. That was brilliant. (laughs)